there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. One of my favorite reporters is Rukmini Kalamaki. She covers Islamic terrorism for the New York Times, and she just finds the craziest stories. Last month, she wrote about this Sunday school teacher in Washington who was almost recruited into ISIS. Before that, she had the inside story of how a group of hostages who were later executed by ISIS spent their final months. She reports on people who are too dangerous to actually visit, and she does it by using the Internet. I want to know how exactly that works, how she accesses these unknowable worlds. The day I talked to her, she was on a reporting trip in Iraq. We connected over Skype. So I'm sitting at the Sheraton in Dohuk in, in Iraq. And what's the Sheraton lobby like in Iraq? <laughs> it's very posh. I mean, it's got like, you know, kind of these enormous chandeliers um, and a geometric aquamarine carpet. Is the yeah. Wi-Fi good? It's actually crap. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I keep it. <laughs> the audio quality of this interview is spotty at times. You can direct all complaints to the Sheraton Dohuk Yelp page. Anyway... Rugmini says that the moment that changed her life as a journalist happened back in 2013. A local Al-Qaeda franchise had just been driven out of Timbuktu, and Rukmini was part of the first wave of reporters to show up. I was led to the various buildings in Timbuktu that the jihadist group had, had occupied. They included the Ministry of Finance building, the tax building, etc. And what was shocking is that in their hurry to leave, They had left thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands of pages of internal documents behind. And I went back, you know, armed with trash bags and and, and plastic gloves. And I ended up picking up and and filling, I think think it was eight trash bags full of these documents. They were, some of them had boot prints on them. Some of them were caked in dirt. Rukmini found a translator, studied the documents for almost a year. And what was in them just blew my mind. Completely uncensored documents. Letters between local commanders and senior al-Qaeda leaders. And the strangest part was that in a lot of ways, it was like eavesdropping on any other office. Jihadis had to file receipts. Receipts for things as small as a single light bulb, a soda, a kilogram of tomatoes. Because they needed to do a monthly expense report. Um, uh, really? To, to, yeah, yeah. There was a, Mokhtar Belmokhtar was an al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb commander. And one of the letters I found was a letter from essentially his boss um, reprimanding him for, among other things, failing to turn in his expense reports. Uh, and like, I mean, like, it's like this 20, it's this 20 page letter. And it, it, like, all you have to do is remove the names of who these people are. And it reads like something that you would, you know, like a manager at the New York Times might send to an errant correspondent. Mokhtar's boss also yelled at him for ignoring company policy. He'd taken two hostages and ransomed them, which was fine, but he'd done it without talking to his boss first. Look at this meager sum that you that you got. <laughs> and it said it said seven hundred thousand euros and then it had like in parentheses only seven hundred thousand euros. 
exclamation point. After 9-11, most reporters covering al-Qaeda had just stopped trying to get anybody from the group to comment on terrorism stories. It wasn't like there was a PR hotline you could call. But with these documents, Rukmini suddenly had insight into how these jihadis thought about their own actions. For example, at one point, that local al-Qaeda group, the one Rukmini was covering, the one that had taken over Timbuktu, they got a lot of attention because they destroyed these ancient, beautiful mausoleums that they considered blasphemous. But reading these letters, Rukmini learned that there were militants who had argued against the mausoleum's destruction. Their commander wrote them a letter of reprimand and said, we are here for belonging. And the mausoleums of Timbuktu are incredibly precious to the people of Timbuktu. So therefore, you need to avoid uh, hurting the heritage of the city. And, you know, you read this stuff and you go, oh my God. I mean, these people, this group that I thought was really just a bunch of dudes in caves, you know, like these primitive people. I suddenly realized that that despite the evil that in many ways they represent, that there was actually a system of thought behind it. And it wasn't something basic. And and so these documents, I mean, it 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 gave me a dimension that I just did not know existed to this beat called terrorism. It made me realize how much richer it actually is. And then I started to look at the reporting around me and I realized that just like my own reporting up until that point, that it was so lacking, so, so skin deep. Groups like Al-Qaeda, to most of us, they don't seem human. They're monsters, monsters who communicate with us only through random, horrific acts of violence. They're the closest thing we have to boogeymen. But Rukmini was realizing that these people, even if they were evil, they might be more understandable than she thought. And at the same time that she was having this epiphany, something else was happening, something unprecedented. Al-Qaeda had started using the internet in a way that they never had before, publicly. You suddenly see them setting up a Twitter account, setting up, you know, social media, setting up, you know, various kind of press release mechanisms. A jihadi corner of the internet. Social media run by militants and their sympathizers. Rukmini was fascinated. And the hot topic on jihadi internet in 2013 was this new group called ISIS. At the time, ISIS was being ignored by the West and by most reporters. But on this part of the internet that Rukmini had started listening in on, people were really concerned about ISIS. Al-Qaeda was worried uh, about the rising ascendancy. They were seeing uh, attrition in their ranks to ISIS, and they were seeing travel from great distances. So people in Africa leaving the theater in Mali to go to Syria. They were joining ISIS. And Rukmini sees that this new group, ISIS, they're even more crazy about the internet. They're all over Twitter. Which is especially crazy because in real life, no journalist could really talk to ISIS. In 2014, ISIS allowed one vice cameraman and one German writer into their territory. But besides that, everybody stayed away because the main thing ISIS was known for was kidnapping and murdering journalists. So Rukmini got good at finding them online, where it was safe. What's your typical, um, what does a pro-ISIS Twitter account pick as their profile image? (laughs) <laughs> okay, the most stereotypical one is um, anything with a lion. The women tend to uh, put up pictures of lionesses. Um, anything, obviously, that has the, the black ISIS flag. A horseman, like a, a rider on a horse. Um, galloping stallions seems to be another one. And for a while last year, because they realized that people were onto them because of this, they were moving from avatar 
Tarta avatar that had nothing to do, you know, with the Islamic State. So for a while, it was coffee mugs. Um, then <laughs> why coffee mugs? I have no idea. You know, just it's like yeah, yeah just a thing. Um, <laughs> then for then um, a lot of them do kittens or cats because uh, the the favorite pet of the Prophet Muhammad was a cat. One of the problems for Rukmini is that she's not the only Westerner trying to talk to these guys online. There are other people who are claiming to be ISIS sympathizers who she's pretty sure are actually just undercover FBI agents. How can you tell? What's the giveaway? Because I think they go over the top in sounding crazy. (laughs) So, you know, they'll just like be sort of like touting beheadings and, you know, you know, just like sounding completely anti-Western and anti-American. And the reality is that most of these ISIS accounts are being run by very young people. The young people who she follows write in English and French with some Arabic thrown in. You know, they're like in their teens, early 20s. So the posts don't look polished. You know, there'll be like a stream of consciousness kind of, you know, I had ice cream today, um, combined with then things that have ISIS messaging. And a lot of spelling mistakes, a lot of like weird, you know, teenager-esque abbreviations, IDK, I don't know, LOL, you know, like there's there's that kind of stuff. And usually these security people are older people um, (laughs) (laughs) and they're just not with it, you know, when it comes to the lingo. When Rukmini finds an actual ISIS member or ISIS sympathizer, she then has to try to get them to talk to her, which isn't easy. She's a Western non-Muslim journalist. So she tries something counterintuitive. She'll find some claim that they've made online, and she'll fact-check them in public. Like, say somebody posts a photo that they say shows the aftermath of a U.S. airstrike, Rukmini will jump in and she'll say, no, 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 actually, we both know that, really, that was a Saudi airstrike. She just wants to try to get them talking. It works probably in 1% of the cases. You know, it's it's kind of a very laborious uh, and sort of frustrating process. And, and the approach is, I want you to explain this to me. Explain this to me like, like I'm a complete idiot. Why are you doing this? Why, why is this important? What's, you know, what's your justification for that? Her sources have their own agenda. They want to convert her to Islam. And there's actually a script that they have for Christians. Rukmini's a Christian. And the script is based on their very in-depth knowledge of the Bible they'll, you know, they'll just pop them out and be like, Matthew, you know, verse 25, you know, whatever. And they'll sit there and argue with you and say, look, Christ himself tells his followers, pray not to me, but to God the Father. The person that we call Allah is the deity in the Bible that that Christ calls God the Father. It's a long script. I literally wasted two weeks of my time, you know, spending probably an hour on Twitter a day. Oh my God. Talking to this guy in ISIS who just like on, you know, would not stop. Uh, and he was claiming that he was, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I just would, you know, I kept on interacting with him, hoping that we would get to the end of that tunnel and that he would realize, he would just give up and realize, okay, I cannot convert her. She's got her faith. I've got mine and let's move on. And And at the end, he basically just got really fed up and he was like, you know, screw this. You're an infidel. You know, you deserve to die. Done. You know, and cut me off. Rugmini says that at this point, her reputation as a nosy interloper seems to be preceding her in the world of ISIS Twitter. I'm apparently blocked by all these people because as soon as I see an ISIS account and I try to follow them, like I, they, they seem to have me on some list because I, the people I've never interacted with have already blocked me. Oh, my God. Um, rude. Yeah. It's like, it's like so rude. <laughs> I mean, ISIS is very fond of saying to journalists that we're spies. And I mean, this this just drives me mad. I'm like, what do you mean I'm a spy? I'm telling you, I am on Twitter with my real name and my real photo. <laughs> okay. You, on the other hand, have a picture of a kitten, you know? 
Sometimes all this work pays off. Rukmini has formed online acquaintances with jihadists who will talk to her because they want her to get the facts of her stories right. In the immediate aftermath of the attack on the French magazine Charlie Hebdo, a lot of reporters thought that ISIS was probably responsible. But Rukmini's source told her, don't write that, it's not true. He said that he was sure because it was his group that was behind the attack. And that turned out to be right. But there are limits to what Rukmini and her sources can talk about. At one point, an American photojournalist named Luke Summers was taken hostage by an al-Qaeda affiliate called AQAP. Rukmini's source, the one who had told her about the Ebdo attack, was a member of that group. He said, Luke's a spy and we're going to kill him. Rukmini had friends in common with Luke, and so she tried to reason with the guy. Look, you know, this is, this is a civilian. This is a person who was there and who was providing objective reporting on the situation in Yemen. Why in the world would you want to hurt him? And he got very aggressive with me, and he said, we have uh, confirmed Luke Summers uh, is a spy. Which was, of course, total BS. You know, I mean, this Luke Summers did not even speak Arabic. And he said, we have, we've done our own investigation. We know this to be the case. And I said, that's not true. Uh, and we actually, it actually led to a bit of a clash. <laughs> and he got angry at me, and he kind of cut me off for a while. Luke Summers was eventually killed in a botched rescue attempt. Rukmini was never able to get her source to change his mind. Do you think but, he knew? Do you think he knew that you were right and, like, organizationally that wasn't an opinion he could hold? Or do you think he thought you were lying to him? You know, it wasn't until after that that I began to have a much more interesting, you know, interviewer-source relationship with him. And I never came back to that just because it was it was sort of this red line for me where... Um, you know, it's just something that we will never agree on. You must feel that way all the time. Like, you can know some things, but that that th- eventually you hit a wall that you can't get past. I mean, with, with these people in general, I sort of have to suspend part of my being in speaking to them. You know, there's obviously the fact that they're a terrorist is something that is unacceptable, you know, to me. And if we start to actually consider what they stand for, then I, I can't even talk to them at all, Right. Suspending entire parts of herself isn't easy, particularly when she deals with ISIS. The group's known for beheading their captives, including journalists, on video, and then distributing those videos online. As part of her job, she has to watch all of those videos. She studies them. Um, you have to think that for every one of these beheading videos, the ones that are, especially the ones that are, that are well-crafted, they sat around and they thought about every single aspect of it. They think about the lighting. They think about the quote that they're going to, going to take from, from scripture. They thought about what they're going to allow the victim to say. And with all of that, they are trying to communicate something to us and also something to potential recruits. These videos are reported on in the mainstream press once every few months. But Rukmini says when you're looking directly into that world, the violence is nonstop. She says that she sees a new beheading video once every couple of days. I didn't realize they were so frequent. They're so frequent, yeah. And do you worry about the effect that it has on you? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, um, I sort of know the point where they're going to kill the person. And I'll just put my hand over, you know, the, the worst part of it. And I'll just see the edges of it rather than having to see the agonized expression of the poor person. Um, you know, just as a way to kind of let less of it, you know, come into, come into, into me. When we finished our conversation, Rukmini had to get back to work. She was visiting a Yezidi refugee camp in the Sinjar Mountains of Iraq. You can follow Rukmini on Twitter at rkalamaki. 
Also, you should absolutely check out her interview on the Long Form Podcast. It's two parts. It's super in-depth. Sruthi and I are obsessed with it. Um, We'll put a link to it in the show notes. After the break, we are going to wildly switch gears. We're premiering a new segment that we are very excited about. Alex Goldman is going to strap on his khakis and return to the life that he had before he was a podcast host. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Today is a big day at Reply All because we are rolling out a new segment called Super Tech Support. This is the theme music by Breakmaster Cylinder, of course. So Alex, in your past life, I mean, not your past life, in your previous career, you worked in IT, in technical support. Yes, I was a network administrator. And this is a new segment where you, you put the old superhero costume on and you go out on one last ride. <laughs> Should I have like a, a saying like, um, like He-Man? I have, um, the, I have the power, uh, tech support, assemble. Um, no, wait, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You ready? Mm-hmm. Did you try restarting it? Once you said I've got it, I was like, oh, it's going to be, did you try restarting it? <laughs> uh, okay. So this first assignment should be an easy one. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but starting a few months ago, I started experimenting with house cleaning apps. Basically, you pay online and a professional comes and cleans your house for you. Okay. So I was cycling between a bunch of introductory house cleaning app rates and for maybe two months, I had a very clean house. So you were basically just using them up through their introductory offers and then switching to the next one. Yes, and I felt very clever about it. Um, And then something happened. You weren't as clever as you thought you were. Exactly. So there's this one called Handy. Their rate was super, super low. And so I hired them. And then maybe a month later, I got a notification on my phone that said, hey, we've charged you for your next recurring handy appointment. I looked on my phone. I tried to figure out how to cancel it. And I couldn't figure out how to cancel it. So then I went on the website. There's no way to ever cancel a recurring appointment on their website. Like, there's no, <laughs> their deal is you sign up for recurring appointments, they come to your house once a month, and you give them money until one day you die. And so I tweeted at them, I tweeted at the company and said, Hey, there doesn't seem to be any way for me to get rid of your recurring service. And very quickly they responded and they said, No problem, give me your email address. And I gave them my email address and they said it was canceled. But then I said to them, they'd been so friendly and responsive, and I said, hey, it really seems like there's no way to cancel service on your website. Is that true? And if it is, why? And they disappeared and never said anything again. So uh, is the super tech support that we are providing today talking to them and figuring out exactly how it is that you can cancel and why they make it so difficult? Yeah. like I know that a lot of web-based companies... That is a thing, that they try to make canceling a service really hard. But doing it to this degree seems exceptionally diabolical. And I just want you to go find out what's going on, find out if it's actually possible, that my very cynical read on what's going on here, find out if that's actually true. Uh, okay, so I'm going uh, to reach out to our buddies at Handy. You got to say, you say you're saying, though. Oh, 
Did you try restarting it? Yeah, that's real good. Okay, so it's been four days since that first conversation. Uh, Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right, so as your tech support concierge... um, Concierge, I like it. uh, I decided to uh, just double-check that you knew how to use the website properly. I appreciate that. Um, So... First, I Googled, how can I contact Handy? And there's a webpage on the Handy website that says, how can I contact Handy? And then it says, we're here to help. Contact us here. And And then it's just a picture of a brick wall. (laughs) And when you click on it, it gives you their help center, which gives you the options to check your existing bookings, make a new booking, look at your account or other. There's no... And the other, none of those things are, how do I... Um, cancel. Cancel the account. The, okay, so this, like, I experienced this, but I couldn't relate it to you because when I experienced it, I was just in, like, a rage state. And so I didn't remember the individual steps. I just remembered the feelings I had, which were strong. So it says, how can I contact Handy? We're here to help. Contact us here. And it takes you to the help center. And then underneath it, it says, still need help? Contact us. And there's another link. And that link takes you to the same place. <laughs> Finally, after a bunch of Googling, I found this page that said, to completely deactivate your regularly scheduled cleaning service, contact us. And I was stoked beyond belief, and I clicked through, and it takes you to the help center. See? (laughs) That's that's not right. Like, that's not right. That is like three-card money. So I went to their website and looked for a phone number. Did they say our phone number is help center? Uh, There is no phone number that I can see on their website. I had to go to um, to gethuman.com. Are you familiar with gethuman.com? No. It's a great website. You put in the name of a business. It gives you the number of the business and the buttons to press in order to get a person. Oh, my God. It's very, very smart. So did, was there a gethuman.com thing for Handy? Yes, there was. Okay. So I called Handy. Thank you for calling Handy. My name is Sharma. May I ask who you're speaking with? My name is Alex Goldman. Hello, Mr. Goldman. How are you? I'm good. Just to be clear, uh, I'm recording this phone call. I hope that's okay. Uh, Of course. Sure. uh, Is there a way to cancel recurring bookings online? It's kind of difficult. I can do it for you. Uh, I'm actually interested to see if there's a way for me to do it. Is there no way for me to do it? If you give me a brief moment, I can check on that for you, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. One moment. Now, I just want to pause and let you know that you're about to hear the fucking best hold music ever. Okay. Oh, this is good. Right? So, I was on hold for two and a half minutes. The whole time, totally happy to listen to this song. (laughs) They They could have kept me on hold for a half an hour. Is she asking, like, Handy himself? (laughs) Yeah, Charles Handy. (laughs) Um, So then she finally comes back. Thank you for holding, Mr. Goldman. I do apologize for that. But I have been advised we would have to cancel the reoccurring bookings if you would want to do that. Okay, uh, just to be clear, uh, I'm curious why why I can't cancel a recurring booking myself. It seems awfully customer unfriendly. Okay, I can ask him that. She's totally nice and professional. Yeah, she's totally nice and professional. Then she says, Alex, uh, Mr. Goldman, hold on a second. I need to ask someone, can I put you on hold again? And you're like, hell yeah. And I was like, please. Play that funky hold music. 
So, yeah, you get it. The hold music plays. Oh, and- you can keep playing the hold music. <laughs> Um, it is really good. It's great hold music. And it gets, it like, there's like a solo in it. If you get further into it. It's like the, it's the, it's the theme to the end of a long struggle. Do you know what I mean? It's like everything's okay music. Yeah, I, I assume that there's a certain psychology to that that's not accidental. Oh. And when she came back, this is what she said. Thank you for holding, sir. I do apologize for that wait. But it's just, well, I was advised that the system is not set up for the customers to cancel the reoccurring bookings because when you want to cancel, they're wanting the customers to call in to see if we can help the situation out on actually why they're wanting to cancel the bookings and offer promotions and discounts and things like that. I see. So it's like a, yeah, so it's kind of like a opportunity to better our services. Sharma, you have been incredibly helpful. I really appreciate it. No problem. Mister, anything else I can help you with? No, you've been a great help. I really appreciate it. Take care. You're, you're welcome. You too. Thanks for calling handy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I can't believe that they're so honest about what they're doing. Like, that's not okay. Um, look, I was only tasked to figure out how to cancel your recurrent bookings. Uh, I wasn't tasked to justify it. <laughs> but uh, all I want you to do is say, as angry as you are, you are right to be that angry. Uh, did you try restarting it? Uh, I guess at least I do feel like I've been super tech-supported. <laughs> so, just before this story was actually about to go out, we got a response from a spokesperson at Handy. They wouldn't agree to an interview. I oh, do th- they, the one time they don't want to talk on the phone is when you're doing a story about them. <laughs> I did get a statement back. We apologize if PJ had an experience that did not match the high standard for seamless home services that we set for ourselves. Every day, we evaluate and reevaluate our best practices to better serve our customers. And as part of that, we're now piloting different cancellation options, including through the app for recurring bookings. So do we want to take credit for this? Yeah, we should take credit for this. But also, like, can... uh, ah, Like, let's pretend it was a movie theater. And the movie theater didn't have an exit. And you were like, why don't you have an exit? I'd like to leave the movie when I'm done. And they were like, well, we want to see if we can convince you to see another movie before you're allowed to leave. And you said that was a problem. And they sent you a letter saying, you know, we tried to reach our best practices every day. And we're piloting some patrons will be allowed to leave the theater of their own volition. May I remind you that the whole reason you were using Handy in the first place is because you were trying to scam all of these cleaning <laughs> services? I know I'm the worst person in the world. As long as everybody else knows. That's it for the first installment of Super Tech Support. If you have a Super Tech Support story you want to share with us, you can email us at replyall at gimletmedia.com. Hey, so Alex, before you read the credits... Yes? There's a sort of mini-announcement... I wouldn't call it mini. I'd say it's pretty important. Um, So the mega announcement is that there's no such thing as a Gimlet membership. Yes, I know this. You don't need to tell me because I already know. This was more of an outward-facing announcement. I understand now. So here's what it is. Um, First of all, if you don't want to be a member, that's absolutely fine. Gimlet shows will continue to be free and completely downloadable. This is not like a paywall or anything like that. If you want to be a member, then you get some things. Early access to the pilot of the new Gimlet show, Awesome Boring, which has Adam Davidson from Planet Money and Adam McKay from 
a million funny comedy movies. Such as? Anchorman. Didn't you make Step Brothers? Yeah. Oh my God, that movie's so good. Um, so people can hear that pilot. And also, if you sign up for an annual subscription, you can get a Reply All shirt. They're awesome. I'm wearing one right now. And if you don't want a Reply All shirt, you can also get a Gimlet shirt. Or a anyway, Show shirt. so the point is, people can sign up if they want to. Just go to replyall.limo. All right, you can read the credits now. Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. We were produced this week by Tim Howard, Shruti Pinamanani, Fia Benin, and edited by Alex Bloomberg. Production assistance from Sylvie Douglas. Special thanks this week to Eli Horowitz and Emily Kennedy. Our show was engineered this week by Rick Kwan and the Reverend John Delore. Matt Lieber is an old movie that still holds up. Our theme music by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Build Buildings. You can find more episodes at itunes.com slash replyall. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.